Hey everybody, welcome to another installment of My Cheesehead Life, a Packer fan podcast. My name is Patrick, I'm your host for this show, and thanks once again for joining us. Excited to be here on Hump Day. I believe, what do we got here? August 8th, August is flying by, so holy holy cow, school's right around the corner, that's no fun. Um, but yeah, like I said, happy Hump Day. Got a lot to get to here today, uh, got a lot of topics we want to cover. Um, got uh, Packers doing a practice in Cincinnati. I want to get into some uh, discussion about handling success, uh, as weird as that may sound. Um, talk a bit about the Packer defense here at this point in the preseason or you know training camp, whatever you want to say. And um, we'll do our normal check-in on the Brewers and then uh, take a look ahead at the weekend and, and what's in store for us in terms of some of the preseason action that we can see here. Pretty exciting. Again, hump day ahead of the first official week of preseason. You know, we had the Hall of Fame game last week. Uh, that's kind of the, you know, the, the lone game of the week when you get that extra game. Um, so now, you know, after that one standalone game, we're kind of, you know, into full swing here on preseason. I remember being a youngster, it kind of felt like preseason was so long, you know, it took forever to get through these, you know, four weeks and now it's only three games, but, uh, back then it was four games and, you know, just felt like forever. But now as a grown up with all the stuff going on and kids going everywhere, uh, you know, August tends to fly by in a blink of an eye. So, uh, saddle up or backle up or whatever you want to say. We got a lot of action coming up here this, this August. And then next thing you know, we'll be talking about live action, uh, official regular season football games. So excited about that. And, uh, once again, we'll, um, thank you for listening. <coughs> Excuse me. A little, uh, mention of the, uh, websites. We've did make some progress. I say we a lot, but it's really just me. Um, but I kind of like the collaborative sound of we, like there's a mouse in my pocket or maybe, you know, the, the dog was sitting next to me when I did something. Um, but anyways, we made some progress on the website, mycheeseheadlife.com. Um, nothing too remarkable, but at least again, baby steps, got some links out there to a couple of the, uh, past episodes. I did set up a blog. Um, so what I plan to do is take, you know, the links and things that I talk about here, um, and just, and just snap those into a blog, uh, um, format. I mean, whatever. It, it's just kind of a, a, a mechanism to deliver these links to you and, and let you read some of these articles for your own selves or, you know, get your own eyes on it. Anyways, uh, in the upper left corner, you'll see, you know, the typical menu options. And then I created a, a site out there for, uh, called cheese curds. Um, I don't know if that's too corny or too cheesy. Ha! <laughs> You know, there's a nice uh, dad joke pun for you. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'll refer to the blog it for now until I get, you know, some static about how cheesy that is. Um, we'll call the blog Cheese Curds. Um, so we'll uh, put up the links and some of the things that I talk about here uh, on the blog after the show. And then that way, you know, if you want to go out and read some of them articles yourself or see some of the, the twits from, twits, tweets from X, um, you can go look at those uh, for your own self. So that, that that's kind of exciting. You know, again, kind of kind of early in the process here at My Cheesehead Life Podcast and uh, learning as I go. So patience is appreciated and, uh, you know, doing what I can to, to make this an enjoyable experience for you by having the podcast and also a website. I do have a Twitter handle or X. Um, I've kind of learned, you know, in the first couple episodes I've mentioned, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, what the deal is with X or Twitter and what you call it. Um, but I found kind of something interesting reading up some other articles that it's kind of like Prince, uh, back in the day. I don't know if any of you remember when Prince, um, changed himself into a symbol and, um, we had to say for a while, the artist formerly known as Prince. Uh, so that kind of seems like what's happening here on, uh, Twitter it's X, and then in some of the articles I read, you'll see in parentheses, uh, it'll say, you know, the site formerly known as Twitter. Um, so interesting. I, I still don't really know if they're called tweets or not. Um, I'm going to keep an eye out for some guidance on the proper terminology for that. Uh, but but for now, I guess we can just call it X, and uh, we'll, we'll, say they're, we'll still say they're tweets, and, you know, I'm sharing tweets or whatever, retweeting. Um, but the, the official site apparently is, is rebranded. It's a, a rebrand to call it X. Um, so whatever that's worth, whatever that means, if I'm referring to X, 
uh, it's not DMX because then now with with the X thing, if if any of you listen to some of the rap in the early two thousands, I mean DMX was as big as it got, and you know now every time I hear X, that's all I think X gonna give it to you. That anyways, I'm a terrible rapper. Um, but so we'll uh, we'll take a spin through uh, Tweetbeat um, and and see what kind of content we find on X and and talk about some of that stuff like i said we got plenty to get to um just kind of rambling a little bit here uh, at the intro um but that x thing kind of threw me a little bit to see it and I, like i said it just immediately reminded me of back in the day when prince turned himself into a symbol um and kind of borrowing a little bit from the old eminem song there but yeah tw- prince turned himself into a symbol and then now we have to uh refer to you know x formerly known as twitter so Anyways, take that for what it's worth. A little knowledge on hump day and what's going on on the socials. So you're welcome. So as far as kind of an initial topic I want to get into here today, and it kind of been on my mind a bit this off season. Um, it's, well, let me put it this way, or I'll, I'll kind of start the discussion by, by starting with this, like um, handling success. Um, that was something that Mike McCarthy talked about after you know two or three years in the job and and the team was trending upwards and something that really stuck with me um from the mike mccarthy era was uh how how he used to talk about that handling success and i I don't know i didn't think a ton about it but you know as the years went on and i maybe got a little older hopefully a little wiser um you know it started to make kind of more sense in hindsight and, and reflecting on his comments you know about you know how important it is how you handle success now i'm not you know a big uh cheerleader of mike mccarthy any longer i thought he kind of overstayed his welcome but at the same time you know i absolutely respect what he did here for the packers for a number of years it's pretty excited when they hired him you know hearing ted thompson talk about his uh i mean by that i mean mccarthy's kind of pick pittsburgh macho i think is something that was thrown out there in one of those initial press conferences so you know, from day one, kind of fired up to, you know, see maybe a little more physical brand of football than, you know, we we're in the Mike Sherman era and, you know, things were getting a little stale. I don't think anybody would have referred to the Packers as a physical team back then. Um, you know, the West Coast system and, you know, always kind of having a pretty, you know, mediocre at best defense. Um, so anyways, they hired McCarthy, they talk about Pittsburgh macho and physicality and all those types of things that got you a little bit riled up for the new program, new regime. Um, but then, you know, skip ahead, skip ahead. Um, you know, they have some tremendous success, you know, they win a Super Bowl, of course, that's great. Um, a little bit unexpected at that time, you know, so they, you know, maybe you can kind of say they snuck up on a few people. Um, but in those few years of the Packers, you know, let's say, I think dynasty is a strong word because they only won the one Super Bowl. But, you know, for two, three, maybe four years there, you know, they were pretty much the top dog in the NFC, but just kept getting tripped up, whether it was the Seahawks or the Niners. And, you know, McCarthy, again, one thing I I really thought was a wise phrase for him or, you know, a philosophy where he talked about handling success. So the reason I'm giving you that that sort of background right now is I want to talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions or as McCarthy used to say Detroit Lions it's interesting where you know people accents are from and and the words they emphasize like I've heard for years some certain tele- broadcasters on TV the Green Bay Packers like we don't say Green Bay Packers here we just say Green Bay um but you know kind of similar McCarthy always always kind of stuck in my ear like Detroit Lions um so how does handling success and McCarthy from 10, 15 years ago tie into the Detroit Lions? Well, that's a great question. Let me try to answer that. What I'm talking about or what I'm trying to get to is, you know, the, the Lions had a nice year. You know, they were 9-8, and eight, I believe, um, last season. Of course, they beat the Packers in the finale when the Packers could have went to the playoffs, but you know, ultimately didn't because Detroit came into Lambeau and won that game. And, you know, all the credit to Detroit, uh, you know, going into the season, as a matter of fact, and, you know, easy to say now, there's no real documented evidence of this. So you'll have to just uh, trust me and or believe me. Um, I was kind of uh, on, the, on the Detroit bandwagon. I, you know, basically when they signed Jamal Williams, former Packer running back, you know, I figured that was a good signing. Jamal Williams, you know, tremendous locker room guy here in Green Bay. Everybody loved him. Everything you read was that he's the most positive, you know, personality you could ever be around. 
uh, dancing during warmups and just, you know, just seemed like an all around fun guy. Um, so, so Detroit signs him, you know, they get the new coach, uh, Dan Campbell, who's kind of, you know, got a, you know, in your face, a little bit rough personality, you know, not refined. I, I don't know, maybe the best way to describe it, but you know, it was kind of fired up. They had a number of like former players on the coaching staff. I want to say like maybe Deuce McAllister, uh, former running back and, you know, a couple other guys that don't really know names top of my head right now. Probably should do a little more research. Um, but anyways, so Detroit. They, you know, they, they have a, not really big expectations, you know, right? It's the big Detroit or the old Detroit mantra. You know, we're going into a season, another new coach. You know, Jared Goff is kind of, you know, middling quarterback. No real big-time weapons. They're signing Jamal Williams. And one of their draft picks is um, Jamison Williams or Williamson, and he can't play for the first, you know, several months because he's got the torn ACL from college. Um, but still, you know, pr- pretty good hype with him and, 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 you know, good resume. So they're excited when he can join the team at some point in the year. But anyways, so going into 2022, not a ton of hype, not a ton of expect- expectations. Detroit, if I recall, they, they started like one and six, but we're losing some close games. You know, I, I think I remember even one of the earliest weeks when, you know, we tend to keep a closer eye on the Vikings here at My Cheesehead Life because they're a pretty big rival with the Packers and, those two teams over the last, you know, decade and a half, roughly, have been the, the main two teams competing for the division. Um, so, and I, so anyways, I think, you know, early on, kind of rooting for Detroit to beat Minnesota. That didn't happen. Last second deal, Minnesota goes on to win all these kind of, you know, close games, and Detroit's struggling down, you know, one and six. Well, and then they go on this kind of tear and, and win a bunch of games, and, and then that, you know, gets us into Lambeau Field last year, the last game of the year, and, you know, Detroit, by the time the game started, they, they already knew that if they won, they would not um, make the playoffs. Whereas the Packers, you know, they had more on the line. If they would have won that game, uh, they would have been able to sneak into the playoffs. Um, so it was a pretty big game. And then, you know, I don't know, at, at the same time, you know, was it really a big game? You know, would those Packers have caused any trouble in the playoffs? Um, you know, even the Lions for that matter, if they still had a chance, you know, anyways, so skip ahead. Now we're, you know, everybody's really on the Detroit bandwagon this spring and after the off season, they won, you know, eight out of nine, seven out of eight or something like that. And, you know, finished with a little better record than the Packers. Um, and now what, what I circle back to McCarthy and talking about handling success now Detroit's getting a lot of hype. Um, they're kind of, you know, a phrase that my family has used over the years, or, you know, you hear this sometimes in the media talk is, you know, it seems like Detroit's kind of the darlings of the NFL right now, or even, you know, if you just want to say NFC North. Um, so it's interesting to me that, you know, some of the things that have gone on in Detroit, uh, they, they let go of uh, their two running backs. Jamal Williams and uh, DeAndre Swift, who was, you know, having a kind of a nice career start, you know, a little bit of an injury bug with uh, uh, Swift there from Georgia. Um, but but as a tandem, I mean, they seem like a pretty good pair. I mean, shoot, Jamal Williams led the league in touchdowns last year. You know, so I guess what I'm, what I'm struggling with a little bit then is that they let Jamal Williams go, they let DeAndre Swift go or traded him. I forget exactly how all these transactions went down. Um, you know, Jamal Williams has done nothing but like be productive and a positive influence on, you know, the Packers and Detroit, but you know, the guy can't catch a long-term contract to save his life. And I know the, the running back position is kind of devalued and I understand all that, but you know, here's a guy that would, you know, if you could get three years on a contract, that's still reasonable and you don't want to pay him a ton and he's a great influence. So I don't know. I just, I find it interesting because now I think that wide receiver they drafted last year, Jamison Williams, or they call him JMO. Um, you know, he got into some hot water already for gambling, um, and a few other, uh, Detroit players. And I guess JMO is going to miss the first six games of 2023 due to a suspension. Then I've been seeing some blips on the internet that, you know, he hasn't been at all the practices, maybe sometimes for a personal reason or something here and there. Um, you know, they're in on Jared Goff. I think they just signed, uh, Bridgewater, uh, as a backup veteran backup, and then also, you know, kind of interesting, they took a, a number one draft pick of an inside linebacker um, from Iowa, I believe. So all the way around, you know, after a 
pretty solid 2022 and, you know, kind of laying that foundation, I, I started thinking about McCarthy saying, how do you handle success? And that's a big reflection of, you know, success or whatever is it, can you maintain it? You know, it's one thing to kind of sneak up on some people like Detroit may have done last year after that one and six start. And I know everybody says, well, you know, these are pros and they bring it every week. But, you know, I tell you, after 30 some plus years of 40 years of ballpark of watching the Packers and when the Packers stunk compared to when the Packers were kind of on the top of the league, you definitely see differences in, you know, teams giving a team their best shot, you know, so I do believe there's an element of sneaking up on teams. Um, you know, when when you're the one in six Detroit Lions and you go into your next game, I don't know that those opponents, you know, are quite as intense when when you have that one in six team coming in and then you win a couple. So now, great, you're still three and six or something. However, the season shook out for them. Um, so my point is a little bit is is I feel like that Detroit balloon got a little overinflated. Um, I, I got a feeling they're going to come back to earth. You know, Jared Goff has never dazzled anybody. He, is he solid? Absolutely. You know, I, and I, like I said, kind of a closet Lions fan myself because they've been down for so long. Ton of respect for all those Lions fans that show up to Thanksgiving all those years, those Thanksgiving games. You know, instead of having a nice, you know, big uh, comfort meal with your family, they're going to uh, whatever stadium to watch Detroit get beat most of the time. So I've always, and you know, honestly, here in Wisconsin, we've got Upper Peninsula, kind of Michigan Junior, hanging off Wisconsin there. Um, you know, so we interact a fair amount with some of our Michigan friends here in in, in the Green Bay area. Um, they'll come from the Upper Peninsula and find work in Green Bay because you know it's one of the nearest, I guess, bigger or decent sized uh, communities for them to find jobs. Um, so anyways, I mean, that goes back a few years, played volleyball with some, some youpers as we call them. And that's what they explained to me is that, well, you know, Green Bay is kind of the closest town to find decent jobs. So yeah, you'll find a lot of youpers, uh, in the Green Bay area. So uh, with all that, you know, kind of rooting for the lions, like to see them succeed, you know, not like kind of like the bears where there's that old time rivalry or the Vikings where, you know, maybe some of that uh, fan and Randy Moss and all those those rivalry games get pretty intense. A Lions team is a team that I can root for, but I don't know anymore. Uh, Dan Campbell and, and, and company have seemed to have gotten a little full of themselves. Again, just discarding their backfield from last year when, when they had tremendous success with those guys. You've got, you know, they, they kind of took a flyer on a wide receiver draft pick from a year ago, and, and that's starting to look a little shaky. Um, you know, they say they're all in with Jared Goff. I, I believe they might have drafted a potential, you know, uh, takeover the program quarterback. I forget if they, you know, exactly who he is. And um, I'm just interested to see how Detroit does coming out of the gates here. Um, their very first game, as, as a reflection of the hype, is actually the, the kickoff game on Thursday night. Like, that's, you know, turned into such a big deal. I couldn't tell you exactly when it started six seven maybe ten well it's more than 10 years because i know the packers had it after they won the super bowl is that um you know thursday night kick off the season game that uh, always involves the super bowl champions so you'll get to see detroit on a national stage against the kansas city chiefs in week one and if they do it great i mean i love seeing teams get good and, and new new faces new competition i think it's good for the league it makes it way more interesting than kind of always seeing the same franchises <coughs> new england uh you know win things over and over again um so you know in a way you know still kind of want to see detroit and see if they can you know do good and, and have some success and root for them a little bit but at the same time I, i'm kind of thinking you know how do they handle success they they got a little taste of success and didn't even make the playoffs did not even make the playoffs, but yet, you know, tons of hype around uh, the Lions this year. And like I said, discarded their backfield. Maybe it's a little bit of me being kind of a homer for Jamal Williams. Um, but shoot, I mean, the guy had like 20 touchdowns last year and you just cut him loose like just like that. I mean, he spent a couple years there, you know, kind of helped turn the program around. Um so uh, disappointing. I don't know if I'd say disappointing. Maybe that's not the right word yet because season has started. They haven't played anything yet. Um, but anyways, you know, let's keep an eye on the Detroit Lions going forward here in the 2023 season. See how they handle that success, that little bit of success they had last year. And again, 
did not even make the playoffs. Who knows? I can't even tell you the last time Detroit made the playoffs. Um, but they're being talked about as though they're they're a lock for like you know the NFC Championship game or something this year. So we'll see. I think Jared Goff is good, not great. I I don't know who else is gonna you know light up the scoreboard for them. Um, they got Amon St. Brown, good wide receiver there, but without that complimentary weapon, I mean, you know, they traded TJ Hawkinson, you know, pretty solid tight end to Minnesota last year. Um, I know they drafted, I believe the tight end maybe also this year, but still we'll keep an eye on Detroit, see how they handle that little taste of success they had last year. Um, my guess, my guess is that they don't make the playoffs this year. They're going to like, I think it'll be like a come down to earth type of year you know so if they won nine games maybe they win seven this year you know that's kind of i think more where they're at not really a playoff team but you know outside looking in and then you know they can continue to build but until they get you know more of a bona fide quarterback and you know maybe another weapon or two on offense and you know their defense is okay i guess you know i think last year played on a bit of emotion and again sneaking up on people but you know, I couldn't even really tell you any, you know, all-stars. Aiden Hutchinson, of course, you got the the young guy from Michigan they drafted. He's got promise and potential, um, you know, but but we'll see. We'll see. So that's my spiel. I wanted to talk about Detroit a bit. You know, when I started up this podcast, I've been keeping an eye on them all spring, all, all off-season, and all the hype, some of their moves and transactions. So, you know, rooting for the Lions a little bit, like I said, to see some new faces and, you know, see some other teams, you know, cause trouble or, you know, be competitive. But at the same time, it's starting to feel like they, they're a little too full of themselves and, and we're going to have a comeback to earth moment with the Lions here. So that's it on the Lions for you. Yay. And I'm guessing the reaction of uh, me being done talking about the Lions on a Packer podcast. Um, so with that, we'll kind of transition into, uh, maybe the, the next topic here. I actually, um, I saw like a blip or something on the Twitter, I'm sorry, X, um, about the Packers were at like a restaurant in Cincinnati, uh, last night maybe. And as much as I fancy myself as someone who's keeping an eye on all this sports stuff, I'm like, well, what are the Packers doing in Cincinnati already? Their game's not till Friday. Um, or maybe even Saturday. Um, so I checked it out and I forgot that the Packers are doing joint practices with the Cincinnati Bengals, not those kind of joints. Um, so that means, uh, instead of, you know, beating up on your own teammates for a day or two, uh, you'll have an opponent at your practice facility. And in this case, this week, the Packers and the Bengals have actually been practicing against each other today. Um, so this is where I needed to get the website up and running, you know, because this this link or this article I snagged um, off of Packers Wire. Uh, that's that's the Packer channel, if you want to call it that, from USA Today. Um, th- they're one of my more favorite sources of Packer news. Uh, you don't really run into many paywalls. Uh, Zach Cruz is a is a writer I read up on. You know, pretty good matter of fact stuff. Gives you good observations from practices, and I'm not sure, but I think Zach might have been one of them names I recall from from my Bleacher Report days. Um, for some reason, that name kind of seems familiar. Rings a bell. But anyways, uh, Packers were actually in Cincy uh, practicing with the Bengals ahead of the preseason game against the Bengals on Friday night, uh, which is what I'm looking at here uh, for our uh, Packer fandom. Um, I'm showing that as like a 6 p.m. game uh, at Cincinnati. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, kind of exciting to, to see the Bengals. Of course, they're a good team, uh, very competitive since they drafted Joe Burrow a couple years ago. I like Joe Burrow out of LSU. Great story there where he transferred from Ohio State, um, you know, got his opportunity with LSU and just always just seems like an absolute gamer. Um doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to dazzle you with, you know, the, you know, physical traits of some of the other guys or speed and, you know, big arms or whatever. Um, he, he's just kind of a winner in my book. Um, so anyways, I've always kind of been rooting for Joe Burrow, like him as a player. Uh, he did, I guess, tweak his uh, calf early on already in training camp. So he might've not even been practicing today against the Packers. Um, probably won't see him in the preseason just because he's already at that kind of elite status of quarterbacks, even though he's still kind of on his rookie deal, I believe. Um, but he's such a valuable piece to the, to the Bengals already, um, that, that, you know, they don't want to risk him for regular season action in in these preseason games. But anyways, um, so I caught, uh, an article here, just, you know, real 
says news and highlights from Packers joint practice with Bengals. Um, so I scrolled through that a little bit and I caught a segment or, you know, a couple comments on our local radio sports talk guys there, Chris Havel too, and, um, Bill Rabier. Uh, they had mentioned, you know, a little, little bit of, of, um, of a dust up or, uh, brawl, if you will, at practice. And that's, that's kind of where you don't see a lot of these joint practices, um, because, you know, I think it's like a good news, bad news. It's nice to no longer beat up on your own teammates. You know, anybody who's played some football, you know, will will tell you absolutely that you look forward to hitting someone in a different color jersey. Um, you know, and especially I'm sure at this highest level of competition, these NFL guys would much rather face someone else. But with that, you know, it's not unheard of for there to be, uh, you know, scrums or brawls or a little bit of uh, intensity at these practices when you finally get to take out some frustrations on other teams. And apparently some of that happened today in Cincinnati uh, with the Packers and Bengals uh, working out together. Um, so uh, seeing here that they're technically calling this their 10th practice at training camp uh, on Wednesday, uh, the Packers went in for, and they'll have some 11 on 11 sessions um, so I'm just kind of scrolling through the article here, give you some highlights of what I had read earlier. Um, sounds like there was a two minute drill. Uh, one of the first mentions here is from, uh, Ryan Wood, who's a Packer writer. He says, Anders Carlson, we talked about him last time, that rookie kicker. Um, you know, he had been having some struggles in, in camp in terms of making kicks look really good on family night. So this is something we really want to keep an eye on is if the Packers, are going to just roll with a rookie kicker into the opening of the season with a new quarterback. You know, games may come down to field goals and, you know, fingers crossed, toes crossed, everything crossed that this kicker will be good. But anyways, uh, Anders Carlson, according to this uh, tweet from X, says about two yards short on an approximately 58-yard field goal following Jordan Love's two-minute um, versus the Bengals' defense. Um, I, he says still in this tweet, so I'm thinking he means, you know, still very, maybe versus the first defense. I don't know why that still is in there, but it does say, uh, kick was true just very far. So apparently he didn't quite have the leg to, to get a 58 yarder through there today, but that's okay. Good to know that it was true or straight. You don't have too many 58 yard attempts. More, more, more so of a concern would be if he was pulling them left or right, or, you know, God forbid you'd talk about the word shank or the yips. Um, so anyways, good to know that it was a true kick. And this will be, like I said, an article. I'll get on the, the website, mycheeseheadlife.com, go to the blog section called Cheese Curds, and I'll just kind of copy paste these links, articles that I'm looking at. You know, it won't be a real refined blog, um, but just a way to get you uh, an opportunity to look at the same things I am. Um, so here, after that uh, field goal, the next kind of tweet or segment highlight they show off is uh, um, a video of Jordan Love to Romeo Dobbs. Touchdown pass in 11-on-11. 11 11. Dobbs had a step on the coverage and Love threw a great ball. So if you want to see a clip of that, um, you can check out my website um, in, in the blog part where we have these. Uh, this article will be posted here. Um, but yeah, it looks pretty slick. I mean, just, just, just what you could, you know, you'd want to hear. I don't know if that audio came through. I hit play and I didn't mean to have that audio go through, but I just wanted to watch that highlight myself. But obviously uh, that audio got to be a little much. Um, Jenkins. So when I mentioned uh, the brawl stuff or the scrums, turns out uh, Elton Jenkins, I think they might call him Big E. Uh, Packers, pretty outstanding offensive lineman, mostly plays left guard, but can kind of move around in a pinch. Uh, apparently he was involved in two different uh, scrums and eventually had to be uh, escorted off the field. Uh, you know, escorted probably makes it sound like it was an official, you know, infraction. But no, I think he just, they just said time to, to shut him down. So the little bit I'm seeing here, and you can see these for yourselves if you check out my website, uh, it sounds like he got into it a little bit on a, on a screenplay. There's some description here that he went <clears throat> and made a really good block, knocked down this linebacker on a screenplay. Uh, linebacker sat there for a minute and then came back and took a swing at uh, Big E. Now, Elton Jenkins, you know, if you remember, I think he, I don't know where the Packers sometimes find these guys, the scouts that are just phenomenal, you know, and, and I'll do a segment, I think, one of these days on the draft picks of uh, GM Brian Gutekinds because, you know, what happens, 
so much, and then this is our world, is the hot take is to rip on all the bad draft picks and just say he's a terrible GM, we need a new GM, blah, blah, blah. And, then, you know, I'm not here today to talk about Brian Gutekunst as a GM. Um, you know, like I said, that could be a topic for a different day. But, you know, this Elton Jenkins guy is, you know, some of these guys are just quietly outstanding, you know, and, and this is a draft pick from Brian Gutekunst that, you know, basically has been a lockdown starter from day one. You don't hear much of him. But I don't know if you guys recall, but, um, you know, with this scrum stuff, I think E, Big E or Elton, he's just such an effective lineman that it drives some of these opponents nuts. Do you guys remember in the uh, playoff game against the Rams a few years back um, that, you know, Aaron Donald started to lose his mind a little bit after going against Elton Jenkins for like a half. And there was a little bit of a scrum or fight there, and he was kind of getting frustrated. And Elton Jenkins, just, he's just a big man holding his arm out and keeping him away from him. And anyways, I, I really like Elton Jenkins. Um, drafted out of, I want to say, Mississippi State uh, about four years ago or so and, you know, had a knee injury. But everything I hear about him, everything I read about him, you know, just like an A-plus type of guy you want on your team. Um, so, yeah, you'll see some footage and some tweets on this article about Elton Jenkins uh, getting into it a bit with some of the Bengals player. Um, so here's what Tom Silverstein kind of summarized on one of the plays. I'll just read verbatim what he's got in this tweet. First fight of the Packers-Bengals practice, Elton Jenkins dropped a Bengals linebacker. He says, Jermaine Pratt, I think. On his butt on a screen. The linebacker sat down shaking his head for a bit, then got up, approached Jenkins, and took a swing at him. Jenkins lunged at him, and it was on. So, I mean, if you can visualize that, I mean, that's just summer training camp. I mean, it's probably hot as heck. These guys are punching at each other for an hour or two. And then, you know, sometimes you, the the emotions get the best of them and, and you get a little bit of an escalation. So interesting to see that there. But glad to see Big E is, uh, you know, still kind of being the enforcer there, especially with a young quarterback like Love just taking over. You know, that's one thing I think that's really going to help or be, a, you know, an advantage for the Packers, even just compared to most teams in general. Packers have done a really nice job for years of having a solid line. Again, I don't know where they find some of these guys or who's coaching them up, but can you really say, you know, maybe besides a year or two, the Packers have a trashy offensive line? You know, usually that's you know, plenty of other teams, you look at like Chicago or even Seattle and, uh, you know, it's just some teams seem to have that kind of a reputation where they struggle or even Minnesota. I know that's been a challenge for the Vikings. You know, they've had some issues with their offensive line the last few years and, and not being able to hold up on pass protection. So good to know we got a guy like Elton Jenkins that's in a Packer uniform putting up a good fight literally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a video out here too. Um, says John Runyon Jr. ended up on the ground. Um, and then it kind of just shows like a pile of guys goof, you know, scrumming, not, not, not a ton of detail there. Um, and then it goes on, Rob Domofsky, looks like there's some good, some bad, according to him on what's going on in the red zone. Um, you know, there was an easy completion to Watson. Uh, again, there was a n nice, gorgeous looking pass to Dobbs down the sideline where he beats, uh, the, the Cincinnati defense. So good pass from Dobbs. Uh, I'm sorry, from love to Dobbs. Uh, I would definitely check out the link, uh, just for that highlight. Pretty cool to see him, uh, hitting a guy in stride like that. And then, uh, there was a, a couple of comments here too. Even uh, we talked about that uh, third string quarterback Magoo uh, after they cut uh, Danny Etling. Um, so there's a mention here that uh, probably maybe one of the biggest plays of the game actually, or the game, the practice came from Alex Magoo, according to Steve Palazzolo. If I'm saying that right, with the best pass of the day so far at Bengals Packers practice in stride goal ball to Malik Heath. Um, so, you know, a couple guys that are battling for a roster spot, Malik Heath and Alex Magoo making a big play in practice. Um, so there's that. Uh, like I said, that's kind of the, the current state of affairs for Packers right now. They're in Cincinnati getting some practice time in with an opponent. Um, with most of this or, you know, any of this type of stuff, of course, injuries are always the one thing you want to make sure they avoid. I'm sure the Elton Jenkins thing getting taken off the field was due to the emotions and keeping tempers from getting carried away because you don't want to see a guy get hurt for something like that. Um, and then, you know, kind of segues into another topic I wanted to, to get into as part of this is um, the return of Rashawn Gary. Uh, so I don't know if you saw that this week or not, but that was pretty big news coming out of Green Bay. 
So that was something I was trying to keep an eye on, Rasan Gary. Um, you know, I guess I'll, I'll just step back a second here and talk a little bit about Packer defense, like I said in the intro. Um, about this time last year, I remember myself and a number of other Packer fans being pretty excited about the defense. Um, you know, defense, if I recall, was, you know, lighting it up in training camp and being difficult to go against for Rodgers and company. Um, you know, I've... A lot of people talk about all the number one draft picks or high draft picks on the defense and there was a lot of excitement defense is going to be awesome this is finally the year we have a good defense and then what happened the defense stunk for at least the first half of the year i mean you know stunk might be a bad word or strong word um, but they weren't good they were not good um you know they kind of got it straightened out a little bit uh, down the stretch second half of the year they improved um but man as a Packer fan, just, I mean, literally, like, decades of mediocre to bad defense. So, after all that, I told myself, I promised myself, I would not get excited about the Packer defense again. Because you're just setting yourself up for a letdown. So, you know, that, that, that I want to just kind of lay that groundwork right now. You know, I felt a little bit... Like, uh, you know, someone who was betrayed last year because of what we heard about, you know, all the hype that went into it. And then week one against the Vikings, you know, they couldn't, I mean, they couldn't stop anything. Uh, just, you know, and uh, against the Vikings, like the, the, the absolute worst team to fall flat on your face in the opening week of the season has to, you know, your big rival in Minnesota that competes for the division and you just you just lay a, a huge egg against the Vikings last year opening week. Uh, I just saw it earlier in this article here that uh, we'll get to uh, Justin Jefferson, the the top wide receiver for the Vikings, uh, nine catches, 180 some yards. I mean, it, I, it's like I have PTSD, and I don't, I don't want to you know I shouldn't even use that. I don't want to minimize anything like that for those who truly have it. But but I, I can still. You know, in my mind's eye, I can picture Viking wide receivers running like wide open across the middle. No one within like five yards. Things you just never see when you watch football. You know, usually guys are open, yeah, you know, but there's a defender like within a yard of them trying to make a play. But I mean, this was unheard. I mean, it was just extraordinary to watch the Packer defense at times last year. And just like, I don't think I've ever seen guys so wide open. So whatever happened, um, this is where it would be incredible to be a fly on the wall inside of, you know, the locker rooms, the coaches' rooms, the meeting rooms, whatever rooms I could be in to find out, like, what do they really talk about? You know, I, I mean, most of us casual observers can watch what's happening and be like, this ain't right. That don't look right. You, I could play, you know, I could coach a better defense than that. So this is kind of why... I, you know, I'm not one to just always discard coaches, but boy, when you saw how, how, how poor our defense was at times last year with all that talent and, and all the resumes and high draft picks that are out there, you can't help but look at the coach and kind of be like, you know, what the is going on out there? Poor timing on testing out my swear button. Sorry. But I did add a swear button so I could beat myself, and, and it just didn't work out so great. But anyways, you know, that's just, you know, part of being new to this. Um, so that defense, I promised myself I would never get excited again. Because, you know, last year they had all the talent, everybody they needed. Rashawn Gary, you know, kind of was going to be the next star of the de that defense was my, th my thought. You know, he gets hurt like halfway through the year. And anyways, it just was frustrating as all get out. Um, seemed like a broken record that we've seen with previous Packer defenses where they're like, oh yeah, you know, then we got like halfway through the year, we dumbed it down, we played more physical and oh no, we're better. Uh, yeah. Like how about you do that from day one once, you know, just, just play physical, just get in their face, you know, force the offense to react to you, not the other way around. You know, it just seems like for years, our, our approach on defense has to been, you know, to tiptoe around what the other team is doing, you know, and I've always been a fan of those teams that say, this is how we play defense and you have to deal with it. You know what I mean? So I don't, I, you know, I feel like the Packers have been more of a, 
a timid defense. You know, not not super physical. I'm not saying they haven't had some good players and stuff. I mean, but for whatever reason, I, I would never have labeled us as being a really physical defense. And I'm saying like 20 years. You know, we've had this great quarterback play, putting up a lot of points between Favre and Rodgers. And there's just so many, so few, I should say, examples of where you can be like, oh my God, look at that defense. You know, I maybe a handful of games over 20 years, you could be like, yeah, that defense really played out, you know, balled out. But, so that's a little bit of my my um, trauma, if you will, of being a Packer fan and that defense of ours and how I feel about it emotionally and some of the scars I have that make me reluctant to totally get on the Packer bandwagon for the defense this year. But I'm a Packer fan. So here it is. It's August. We haven't really lost any games yet. We haven't seen the defense yet. So I'm getting excited about the defense again. Even though I told myself I couldn't or shouldn't or wouldn't, here I am because, you know, one guy I really do like is Rashawn Gary. You know, when they lost him last year, it was kind of ironic that the defense tended to get a little better. Um, but it seemed to go along with the scheme, you know. So, I, you know, I would never say they were better because Rashawn Gary was injured. Um, you know, it was just kind of a coincidence that around the time that Gary, you know, was lost for the season was also when the wake-up calls were starting to happen in the, in the coaching rooms, apparently, and they started to play a little more physical, a little more uh, in-your-face type of defense. But what I think, and here's my cheesehead life Patrick theory um, on this uh, as your host. Did I even say my name earlier? I'm not sure, but my name is Patrick. Um, I believe, if you recall a couple years, three years ago now, I think maybe against Tampa Bay Championship game right before halftime, deep throws to Scotty Miller, Kevin King getting beat, and just, oh my God, you know, another kind of wow moment. How bad are we and how misguided was that defense? What are we doing, right? Well, and then it was like a year later, maybe it was preseason or, yeah, I think it was like, you know, before the season started, one of those press conferences with uh, head coach Matt LaFleur, and he had made a comment, you know, because I see here in, in some, you know, some of these uh, write-ups about our defense and whether or not they're physical or not, and it just seems like there's this big mystery as to why we're not as physical, and, and we have these these corners and these defensive backs that would like to be aggressive and that, that would like to be... Um, you know, in your face, you know, press coverage, man to man. And I remember going back, like I said, about three years and they were asking LaFleur and this was pretty subtle. It just locked into my brain somewhere though, where he talked about, you know, what do you think of your DBs and, and your scheme? And what do you think going into the season and stuff? And, and LaFleur said something to the effect, this is not, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he had said, well, you can play zero coverage. And we saw how that turned out. So what that means is when you say like zero coverage, that pretty much means you're going like man up, probably blitzing, you know, there, there isn't going to be zones and, and help type coverage. When they say zero coverage, it usually means it's pretty aggressive type of defense. You're going man to man, maybe blitzing, you know, a couple guys. And then, you know, your, your corners and your DBs are pretty much one-on-one -on -one coverage. And then that's where apparently, if you go by that comedy made a few years back, that's what they were doing late in the half against Tampa Bay, and they got beat. Like, it was just dumb. I don't know who made that call. My hunch, this is my, you know, maybe if you call it a conspiracy theory or whatever, is that Joe Barry, not having the greatest track record as a coordinator and or coach, you know, he's been fired from a couple jobs. I think his own father-in-law fired him when they went 0-16 in Detroit. So, I think it's acceptable to be skeptical of Barry's coaching, you know, X's and O's acumen kind of thing. So my hunch is that Barry was calling these stupidly aggressive uh, defenses right before half against Tampa Bay, and then we get burned. You know, Packers get burned. I try to be careful not saying we so much with Packers because I don't play. I don't coach, uh, but that's part of our, our cheese at life. We all talk like we're part of the team. We, we say we a lot with the Packers. Um, so anyways, there, that's, that's, you know, some background I've been wanting to explain in my take on the Packer defense and some of the trauma that they've been through LaFleur, you know, being a first time head coach, this is, I'm always willing to give guys three, four years 
And then it's like, all right, now you better show something. So this is a what, like year four now with Lafleur, maybe five, and then he doesn't have Rodgers. Um, so, hey, great. Give you all this leash and plenty of room. He's had some good successes. They've kind of been letdowns in the playoffs. And then, you know, I picked up that little nugget of a comment in a press conference going back a couple of years where he talked about zero coverage and see how that turned out. Um, you know, so I wonder if he went to Barry after that, you know, and that I think would have been going into last season saying, don't play zero coverage, you know, let's be conservative. Let's not get beat deep. And then buried, you know, being maybe not so much a genius, you know, kind of even took it further. And next thing you know, we're playing against the Vikings and there's not even anybody on the doggone t television screen. When you see the receiver catch the ball, he's literally all by himself. So I wonder, I mean, that's, that's a long spiel on, on my Packer defense the last couple of years and what I think of them. Um, but here we are, here we are in August again, me being excited, setting myself up for another letdown. I hope not, but I'm trying to be real and trying to be realistic. So I got another article here. You know, this is kind of part of the topic and headlines is uh, Packers offer glimpse into what quote unquote more aggressive means for their defense. And this is by Rob Domofsky, longtime Packer writer. Uh, he's with ESPN now. Uh, I think he used to write for the local papers. Um, you know, and he starts this thing off by saying, there's no shortage of NFL teams vowing to be more aggressive on defense this, this season. And he, he mentions a Google search. And of course, yeah, everybody's like, I want to be more aggressive. Um, so he goes on to basically describe that this has been a big emphasis for the Packers this offseason and that what happened, according to the Rob's article here, is that besides just the normal exit interview, is, is he kind of pulled the whole defense together at the end of the year. Um, but And then they, they basically, as a message, said, yeah, we want to be more aggressive. We want to be in their face. We want to challenge guys and make throws tight. So I say that, you know, and this is a, a relatively lengthy article, actually. Um, but I mentioned that as, as it relates to this defense and, and again, that, that apprehension about getting excited. Because here we are, August, uh, they've added Lucas Van Ness, the number one draft pick. And, and the write-ups I've seen here have, have pretty much indicated that he looks like the real deal. You know, big, strong, fast kid out of Iowa. I think his nickname is Hercules. And they, they've mentioned he's already pushing people around in practice and he looks like Hercules. So that's exciting. And, you know, in the meantime, it was kind of like, well, you know, can, can he play until Gary gets back or Sean Gary, you know, guy that they drafted highly high number one pick. I think it was 2019, um, you know, and just a freak athlete kind of guy, you know, checks all those kind of freak athlete boxes, but might've needed a year or two to develop, which he did. He, he took a year or two. And then last year he was really coming on strong and then of course gets injured. So my excitement for the Packers, besides all that history, has been a little bit um, muted because of Rashawn Gary's injury. I feel like he's such a key element of that team where he's going to push you know, the, the, the pocket or he's going to push the action towards other guys and they have to double Rashawn and all that stuff. So I was always kind of like, well, you know, will the defense be good? Well, it kind of depends on when do we get Rashawn Gary back? So that was a big news this week. Rashawn Gary is back, essentially. I mean, they I'd seen this like three, four weeks ago. There was a little snip of him at practice doing a drill just by himself because he was on the PUP, physically unable to perform list. And and it just looked like explosive. Like he just he beat this tackling dummy like like it had just stolen his wallet. So I was like, holy cow, I mean, that doesn't look like a guy coming off an ACL injury. He looked quick, fast, explosive, strong, all those words. So then I was, I didn't say much or, you know, think much on it. Cause I'm like, well, I'm sure, you know, torn ACL middle of the year last year, you know, long shot. I mean, it's rare that you hear about guys being ready for the season. It's usually a good year. Um, we saw trouble with Bakhtiari's rehab a few years ago or a couple of years. I mean, it took them like two years almost. So, you know, you're always wondering, you're, you're always a little uh, unsure how quickly these guys can come back from an ACL. So, uh, long story long is that it looks like Gary's back. He's practicing and part of that joint practice today. What they're not doing, you know, he won't be in a lot of the live action yet. I'm sure he won't play, you know, at least maybe any preseason games. But the fact that your number one defender, maybe behind Jair Alexander, you know, in terms of pass rush, such a key piece is, is already back from his ACL. A guy who is really trending upwards as a young player, 
um, that's exciting. You know, I, I told myself I wouldn't get excited about this defense, but doggone it, here I am. This whole article is going on about, you know, how how much talent they have on the defensive side of the ball, and I agree with that. Um, you know, they've got high draft picks at every position, and, you know, Jair Alexander, there's a lot of comments. You know, everybody knows him as being kind of the, the one-all pro we kind of have on defense right now, um, or I guess offense for that matter, with Rodgers being gone. I mean, is that Jair's really dialed in? He's been making it tough on Jordan Love. Kind of a chicken or the egg thing, you know. When you when you read about some of the struggles of Jordan Love in practice, um, not that he's at a ton, but you know, there's mentions of you know off day here, didn't hit this pass, you know, this pass got broken up. Um, you know, you always kind of wonder: is it because we have a decent defense, or is it because we have a crummy offense? We'll see. Um, but for right now, kind of like last year, the, the hype train on the defense is starting to get riled up, and, and we're getting excited again here for that Packer defense. You know, they got a free agent safety, Jonathan Owens, who coincidentally, like, kind of is claim to fame right now as being married to Simone Biles. Uh, seemed like, you know, a nice guy. He had a nice year last year with the Texans. They signed him as a free agent, so safeties could be hopefully pretty solid or better than last year. Um and then another piece that I want to get to today as far as that defense is concerned is um, I don't often say this. I try to avoid saying this, try to be a positive guy. I don't want to be too harsh, but uh, I feel like Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster no longer being on the Packers, those were two defensive linemen that they had for the last three, four years is addition by subtraction. Those guys were just guys. You know, they were decent, you know, good. I don't even know if I'd say good. So, you know, if you have one guy like that, fine. Um, you know, you need some depth. You need those rotational guys. But the Packers had two that played a lot last year, and the, and they just no sizzle there. And, you know, if you go back and watch some of that stuff with the Packers and, and Lancaster and Lowry, almost always they're able to be single blocked. And what that means then is that these extra linemen can go chase down those linebackers. So when you're wondering, you know, why isn't uh, Devondre Campbell making plays or why isn't Quay Walker making more plays? Um, you know, usually that's a reflection of how good your defense line is. And with Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry last year, those guys would get single blocked and then the offensive lineman can get out on those linebackers and make it, you know, just kind of a domino effect. Like if you're not using up guys on the front line, then those guys can go up a level and block linebackers. And if your linebackers aren't getting done, they keep going and block defensive backs, whatever. Um, so anyways, those guys are gone. Right now they're talking about um, Devontae Wyatt, last year's first-round draft pick from Georgia, and T.J. Slayton <clears throat> Excuse me, will be uh, mostly the guys sitting next to uh, Kenny Clark when they have three down linemen in there. And for me, that that's something I think we can get excited about because I think those guys are going to offer more push, more physicality, you know, more pass rush, just kind of by default um, than, than Lancaster and Lowry did last year. So... You know, and, and you've also got Quay Walker. Um, you know, I really like Quay Walker. Even though the Packers haven't drafted a, just a full-on, like, stud linebacker like that forever. A.J. Hawk was an attempt. You know, Hawk seemed like he'd be fantastic, but for some reason he kind of became, I don't know, just kind of a guy through a good portion of his career. And then you see just the way Quay Walker fills out a stat sheet, you know, height, speed, weight, all that stuff, and then a big-time program like Georgia. He showed some flashes last year. He showed some flashes of poor judgment, too, you know, with a couple of ejections, um, but also showed a lot of remorse and, and seemed to be very regretful for those actions. So I'm excited for Quay Walker. I, I went to a game last year, a uh, game against the Titans, um, partly, you know, in, in a little bit of a down year for the Packers. I wanted to go see that one because of King Henry. I wanted to see Derrick Henry in person. Uh, I was fortunate to have access to some tickets that we could swap out. Um, and those tickets happen to be pretty close to the bench of the uh, Tennessee Titans. So anyways, the first 20 minutes, I just can't get over how big Derrick Henry is because I'm standing like, you know, in my in my seat there watching warm-ups. I'm maybe, you know, 30 yards from Derrick Henry in real life. I'm like, holy man, that is one large human being that carries a football. But what I found interesting as the game kind of got going and got started and, you know, Packers are on the opposite side of the field from where I'm sitting, so I didn't get a good look at any Packer players in that particular, you know, uh, seat. But when I see Quay Walker on the same field as um, Derrick Henry, just, you know, kind of similar characteristics, big, strong, fast dudes. And I don't know, it was just kind of a neat scene and, and gave me got me even a little bit more excited about the future of Quay Walker when I kind of saw him out there 
and and the way he physically kind of seemed to match up with a guy like Derrick Henry, and that's what you need. You know, you need that. I mean, some of these athletes are just so big, strong, fast nowadays, it's hard to imagine. But um, anyways, excited for Quay Walker. We'll get Devontae Wyatt going on the defensive line, TJ Slayton, Devontae Campbell, like I said the other day, he supposedly was battling a shoulder all last year. Um, you know, we got outside help in Luke Van Ness and then Preston Smith. I mean, to me, Preston Smith was a fantastic uh, player last year in, a, in a, with the defense that was kind of iffy I thought Preston Smith might have been the best player you know from beginning to end you know he was steady solid when they really needed a guy that couldn't get hurt you can't afford to lose him type of guy Preston Smith was great so glad to see him coming back you got Jair on the outside looking good Rasul Douglas apparently is going to stick to the outside Stokes uh Eric Stokes had a promising start but he battled injuries too I understand he's supposed to be coming back I mean again you know, everything is there, it seems, talent-wise. Um, but we're just hoping they can finally put it all together on that defense because, man, it just gets hard to watch sometimes, especially with that young quarterback. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my take right now on the defense. Excited to see Rashawn Gary come back. I, I can't believe I'm sitting here getting excited about these doggone Packers again on defense after they burned me so many years. But it's August. It's time for optimism. And, and here we are. I bet the Packers are going to have a good defense. <laughs> I'll just say it, uh, but no, I, I mean, I'll, I, I guess it helps. We'll go against the Bears week one and see how that goes. I mean, Bears, uh, besides Justin Fields running around, I, I saw some headlines today, a couple injuries to their wide receivers, um, so we'll see about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope this isn't like year 17 of, you know, getting let down by the Packer defense. Well, we'll hope not. But, I mean, that pretty much takes care of what I had uh, in store for us around the, on the docket for our, our football talk. I think it's time here now to get a check-in on the Brewers. I, I can tell we're getting almost an hour here. I've really been rambling. Um, so I just want to um, go ahead and, and see if we can do our, our uh, Brewer check-in. So, yeah, checking in on the Brewers here. Um they had a, a good game today, a day game. Uh, must be getaway day, maybe. They're traveling now. Um, so they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They won today. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife was at the game, so she got to see a win today. Uh, Brewers are 62-54. and 54. They're now two games up in first place. I think my first upload here, we're only like a half game up. Um, so now we're two games up on first place. Uh, Cubs are in second. And then it's the Reds. They're two and a half back. Reds have been scuffling a little bit. They're two and eight in their last ten. Uh, Cubs are a little bit warm. They're six and four. Brewers five and five in their last ten. So yeah, uh, my wife was able to go to the game today with some friends and um, see a victory. From what I understand, it was an extra inning game. I'll see. Maybe I'll throw that into my links for the blog there. There's kind of a funny uh, a link here if you go to the Brewers homepage on ESPN.com where you get, I don't know how you get those thumbnails that show like the, the video preview, um, but there was a, a, a throwing error and it says Mark Conna scores winning run on a throwing error and then the little image or snapshot below there is like just the initial reaction of getting the Gatorade dumped on you while he's standing there getting interviewed by, I think it's Sophia Mornert or Menard, something. I don't know her name for sure. So I, it's just funny how you take those videos and you post them online. And then, then the little thumbnail or that little image that you see, uh, is just her with her face kind of squished and, and he's just getting hit on the, on the back with the Gatorade and she's preparing to get doused. Uh, so kind of a neat image there. Um, but good on the Brewers. They're, they're two games up. Uh, August 9th here. So, you know, we'd like their chances of maybe making a little push for the playoffs and, and that would be awesome. So you might have just heard that, uh, there in that little Yelp was my doggy. Uh, we have a, a lovely dog here, and um, that's one of the, the lovely uh, challenges of podcasting from the basement is not always knowing what's happening around the house, and apparently my dog's telling me and maybe it's time to ramp it up. Um, so we checked it on the Brewers. I got a little bit on my tweet beat here. Uh, like I said, we got that uh, highlight where we get the touchdown of Romeo Dobbs. You'll see that in the, in the Cincinnati article that I'll put on the blog about the joint practice, but I'll also retweet that. Uh, just itself from uh, my Cheesehead Life tweet account, X, Twitter, whatever. Um, not sure how or why, but there's kind of like a little segment here of Jordan Love walking away from practice. So I'll, I'll retweet that one too. Kind of, you know, just nice to see a man in his face talking about, hey, we're ready to go. Um, and then um, also going to 
put this out there as kind of i guess they call it the youngster some people on the socials call it a timeline cleanser i've got a nice video here of an otter just kind of rubbing his own cheeks and and doing otter things and i'm a big fan of the otters so i'll be retweeting a otter video um just for just for good times um but yeah that that's pretty much going to do it here on this edition of my cheesehead life uh, a packer fan podcast again my name is patrick uh, please feel free to check out my website, mycheeseheadlife.com. I'll be uh, uh, putting some of the content or links and tweets and whatnot into my uh, blog session called Cheese Curds. Um, so thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you out there. Um, there's really, you know, this isn't a podcast if we don't have listeners, but it's just me in the basement. So uh, again, it's hump day here. Uh, we're looking ahead to Friday. We'll have a uh, preseason action. There's actually some games on Thursday night. So look alive for Thursday games as well this week. We got the, the full action. Uh, looks like a couple games on Thursday. Probably have some of those on TV. And then Friday night, you got the Packers and the Bengals. I'll try to come back again on Sunday. You know, we'll do a recap on uh, all the happenings on the Packer preseason game and other action around the league. Thanks so much and have a good day.